Welcome back to a new episode of Commander's Log. And well, I got questions. You see, it was two Linus references, but I want proof of life. And how does a thousand year old computer know the words of stormy weather? And is this a mycelial network on drugs? Any questions? Plus, Arthur Joe tells the Joe's is live in the Shadowcraft. It's Commander's Log, and it starts right after the break. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Captain John, the audience is watching live. How's it going, sir? Hey, I love to do music at the beginning. Um, you have yet to open up my mic while I'm singing along with Geek Renaissance. <laughs> Geek Renaissance, get some beauty in your life, you geeks. You should write the Star Trek lyrics, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. One of these days, we got to get crazy. And uh, and Joe, you got to join us for this. Yes. And and we got to try to karaoke the Gene Roddenberry lyrics to the Star Trek theme. Oh, oh dear God. No. I, I've sung them in the shower many times. I've done stand ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's like lounge music, you know? It's a great idea to, to uh, sing it in the shower because it makes you feel dirty to sing it. So you're, you're showering at the same time. Right, right. You know? Genius. <laughs> Joe Tales, how you doing, sir? You good? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Very not as good as you, baby. JoeTales.com, books on the way, living life, making the best of a bad situation. My friend, you are an inspiration and a half. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate the ongoing love and support from you guys. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm blessed to be here and blessed to be here. All right. Well, pop quiz, hot shot. The show's uh -oh. called Stormy Weather, episode Stormy Weather, Commander's Log Discovery. Thoughts about the episode top. Give me your overall feelings, my friend. Well, I got to tell you, man, I, at first I was watching, am I seeing like a classic episode of TNG or Voyager? Oh! That's I'm in the bad way. Yeah. Because, as you know, there's just very, very reminiscent of some uh, episodes we've seen in the past, some some concepts that we've come to know and love. I mean, most recently, we, you know, the three of us talked about Night on Voyager, not four weeks ago. Yeah. So there, there were some elements of that, but what it brought me to yeah. mind of right away was like, you know what? Anytime you go into like a big black nothing in space, <laughs> man, you better watch your ass because, you know, there's <laughs> bad stuff in there. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. if it's not Nagilum, you know, from where silence has least season two, you know, wow. Wow. it's going to be something like that. It's going to be something like that. Yeah. So, and they didn't, then, you know, this episode did not disappoint, but in the best uh, possible uh, way I can express, you know, going into this, uh, um, spatial nothingness of this anomaly the, of the um, DMA and saying, well, we're going to get some answers and well, answers aren't forthcoming, but we better get our butts out of here, man, because this is pretty, pretty bad. Oh, yeah. You know, made for some exciting stuff. The yeah. notorious DMA captain thoughts about today's episode, Stormy Weather episode six of season four. Um, So many problematic moments in this. I hate to say 
after the last episode, I was like, hey, it's looking good. And the episode before that, I was like, I don't know. And now I'm back to, um, I am shocked, gobsmacked, befuddled, bewildered, full mucks and flabbergasted. Captain, I thought you would love this week's episode. Here's- I'm a little surprised myself. <laughs> yeah, I well here's the problem. Here's the problem. And maybe no I'm problem. worrying maybe I'm worrying about something that I shouldn't be worrying about. Maybe I'm taking mm-hmm. on something that's not my role to take, which is mm-hmm. I am always afraid th- that this show will drive people away from Star Trek. Okay, that's fair. That's fair and, with any show. And I exactly, exactly. I have that worry about every single show that I love. It's Mm -hmm. like, is this going to get canceled because they keep doing experimental or non-experimental repetitive Mm -hmm. uh, narrative things? And um, is it driving away so many people? Because like, okay, I'll I'll just say like, I love the show. I love the show Lost. I loved that show so much. And I feel like they, they effed around and they found out. (laughs) you will will drive people away um i I, again you could talk me out of this with discovery discovery is a show that star trek fans go and they find it It, it's not a show that just shows up and uh, people go oh well maybe i'll just eat some popcorn and watch this out of curiosity at this point you got to find this show you got to make this show entertain you and and so maybe i'm worried about nothing but uh you know it's done so okay. Just, you gotta go into it, man, because you can't yeah, you can't be problematic and people are leaving the show. I'm like, I don't want to get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> okay, well, um specific uh, Sean, come on. Just, yeah, just loosely point by point. Uh I have to say I absolutely agree with you, Joe, that um this is a classic Star Trek uh plot because they find themselves in a uh hey stress free K, how you doing? You, they find themselves in a spot that presents a mystery, and then it is deadly. The clock is ticking. The doom is coming for them. And so that's all classic, and that's all good. I have no problems with that whatsoever. But, um, but this whole Zora thing, <laughs> it's so cute. And what is Zora's biggest problem in this? What is Zora's big? Because uh, Zora's the computer, and and she has her own right, name. She's and for artificial intelligence, John. She's more than a computer. <laughs> she, she has feelings. She is discovery, actually. Yes, and and that's the thing. She's discovery, and um, she. We get to a point where things need to happen, and they can't. Why? Because Zora is afraid. Okay. All right. Not terrible. Not terrible. So your all-powerful ship, well, all-powerful within its own limits, ship, um, now has a personality, like, and and that personality has problems. And how does she get out of it? And I'm going to, spoiler for everybody, how she gets out of it, someone listens to her problems, helps her work through them, and gives her excellent advice. That has happened on all every episode of discovery of season four and every cw show too have you seen the flash <laughs> you, you can do it barry wrong. really fast <laughs> you might not be wrong flobo you might not be wrong there uh you you are usually right about things and maybe that's like where entertainment is right now maybe stories that we tell are very much stories about emotion 
and inner conflict and someone helping you through it. But you know me, when I see the same conflict in the same resolution happen over and over, I start going, uh-oh, we're in big trouble here. All right, let's just, let's, I'm not saying it right or wrong, but Joe, you've been awfully quiet about this. Uh, let's go to it. Zora, she is, or it is, they are, I'm not sure whether she has, whatever. Zora, the artificial intelligence, is basically evolving at a rapid rate, has emotions, now has fears, tries humor, but I had to go back and listen four times. I'm like, wow, Data had better material. <laughs> Am I right? Anyway, talk about the Zora storyline. Tell me. <laughs> well, I got it. I'm going to take it. Actually, this might surprise you guys as well. Um, as far as my take on it, I'm going to take John's point you know, a step further. I think, I think part of the reason, at least in this episode where Zora was insecure and feeling the weight of the world on her shoulders. Yeah. Quite frankly, was a, was an excuse to put Michael Burnham on the bridge at the end of the episode. Cause really, if you think about it, why was she even there? Why wasn't she in the pattern buffer? I kept expecting her to go. I kept yeah. expecting her to go. That's an excellent question. Because the captain goes and out the, the, ship, the, man. the narratively, the answer is simple because that's that's your lead, and you want to, you know, as part of the action in the climax. The captain goes out with but the logic, ship. But logically, well, well, yeah, but she just sat there. Yeah, you know, you know, burning grimacing, up. man. She was, <laughs> she doing was, the, she was <laughs> giving us those grimaces that we Come needed. <laughs> the hate is real. Uh, okay, I'm glad we started with Zora because even though I like the episode, spoiler, mm -hmm. I did. Um, yeah. that really was the weakest one for two reasons. And I hate to say one of the reasons because I don't want to come at me is that going into this episode, I'm like, yeah, you haven't really given Gray anything to do. Understand he comes back. I think he's a, he, he comes back. He's, he's a dearest mm -hmm. partner. I like it. But he literally goes, is, is in a scene by himself going, I'm not doing anything. But so you give Gray the power to be a whisperer to artificial intelligence contrived, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. But to be able to go on a bridge of a scientific vessel I'm like you know what i found out and i'm like yo Dude. come get your boyfriend bro he's not there's no there's no clearance like, well, how? why i mean you know what is the emergency there the emergency is i need to tell everyone about zora's feelings that zora shared with me mm. is this star trek yeah well it's pretty reminiscent of the early of the early tng episodes where you know, refugees from the 20th century could just walk onto the bridge by telling the, you know, Turbo, take me to the bridge. They got some you know, so, oh, stress so it, it, it was kind of a callback to that little little weakness in the, in the storytelling. But yeah, again, yeah. It, was, it was the plot device to move it forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with John and you know, on that. It's I, I do like the aspect of Zorb, you know, having the artificial intelligence, it basically becoming Discovery and a character in quote unquote her own right. Right. Um, and I am looking forward to seeing how eventually this is going to tie into Calypso because I'm, I'm sure we're thinking about that too, where Zora was, you know, had been there for a thousand years prior to after this point, even. But right. there's going to be some, right, some bumps right. along the way, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We need to, we do need to address that um, because mm -hmm. I, that actually, uh, that was one of the few smart things I've done. Hi, Kirsten. It's one of the few smart things I've done in a while is uh go you know what i better go look this up oh my god there was a short trek about this called yeah. calypso i went and i watched it and it was it was very good but you're right everything about calypso um was introducing us to zora as if everything about her was a thousand years in the future and it turns out no it's actually 
that thousand years, um, uh, Zora is alone for a thousand years and then she rescues uh, a soldier. And then mm-hmm. uh, he right. is on the ship with her for a while and she doesn't make it easy for him to leave, but he does finally leave. And we feel very, very sorry that Zora is all alone now floating in space. She'll probably never see this crew again, uh, even though she is waiting for them. It's right. it's very sad and very soulful. And I'm glad that they kept Zora in the story. But now here we are. Is it okay? Is, is it okay in a, in a, a post uh, data and and before world for AI to have things like anxiety or, or fear is that is that still okay or is that is it because Zor was introduced so quickly that it becomes hard to take? It's a good question. Well, I think it's it's a little bit jarring because of of the brevity of the situation thus far. So yeah, it kind of it's kind of taking my surprise. I think that data himself proved that you know um, artificial life and intelligence can have these emotional um conditions and be fine and actually enhance the themselves and the environment around them and their fellow crewmates and so forth but the, the, getting back to john's point though the thing that's just a little bit concerning maybe maybe this will be addressed maybe they'll su- pleasantly surprise us us all in the coming episodes this is something that if, this, if the computer somehow malfunctions on the ship they're screwed yeah i mean data's bad enough if he goes if he malfunctions yeah. I mean, you know, so maybe, maybe we're getting that. Maybe we're going to see something like that happen here in the next couple episodes. Who knows? Yeah, t- critical failure, but he has show tunes. <laughs> yeah, um, bare necessities. Here's an interesting <laughs> thing, though, about Zora's singing. When Zora was like, uh, "I'd like to sing to you," uh, and I'm just sitting here going, "Oh my God, it's 2001: Space Odyssey." 2001: Space Odyssey. Mm. Uh, how the computer starts to develop uh feelings but also neuroses and psychopathy Mm -hmm. and uh and then when they're dismantling him they uh take him back to when he was just a demo and he used to sing daisy Daisy." Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that's all interesting that's all an interesting callback and i'm sitting there going oh she's gonna sing well that's kind of nice i liked when hal sung in uh, 2001 and then she starts to sing and it's like Oh, like pop music now. Is that tell me whether pop music? I mean, no, Grandma but... Winslow sung that on Family Matters when I was a kid. <laughs> no, no, no. Her style. Her style oh. is that indie girl singing. I am going to sing a song and well, it's well, sad. Well, when you die, it becomes the most prominent <laughs> musical genre in the 25th, 26th, and 27th centuries, bro. I mean, emo one girl is the best thing ever. Uh, I can't. <laughs> Oh, I, I, well, I, John, you know, I couldn't. I could. You have to suspend disbelief on on one aspect of of I think all these current uh, Trek uh, series is because they do tend to use a lot of contemporary yeah. slang and references. Yeah, you, know, you got this, and what happened? Like, okay, that kind of that takes me out of it a little bit, but I just get past it because I I know they're trying to relate. Right. Um, so right. Like, I, I say I, you know the same thing for the the choice of music there, and of course. What we're getting there is um, "Blue Skies" by Data. You know, we're getting now "Stormy Weather" by um, by Zora. You know, so wow. there's that correlation. Good before, correlation too. Before well, we move on from this one, you. because this this one is kind of. <laughs> what do you guys think about the about Michael's and Zora's Lelogi orb 
replications. Because, like, not to be funny, but, like, that's a very sacred thing to these people. It, it seems kind of cultural appropriation-y. People like, I made one, too. I made one, too. Uh, I thought that took me out. It's kind of weird to say that. I don't know if that's – am I overthinking it, John? Um, you know something? It, it it really did ring my bell to see <laughs> that because that's the first thing I thought of was, like, um, you know, that's kind of, like, their thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the entire legacy, bro. Oh. That's like how they honor their families. Um, <laughs> but but wasn't it? I mean, it was super sweet to see Tilly again and to see, yeah. you know, old Saru and to see like old this and old that. Um, you know, it was funny because <laughs> she's doing it and I'm watching it. I'm watching it, you know, very close to her. The camera's very close to her. Yeah. Hey, this was a Jonathan Frakes episode. And mm -hmm. yeah. I love when Frakes directs. Just love oh, it. Yeah. And and so you got all of that like feeling of that sort of intimacy of her doing that. And then they pull out and she's like, I believe she's on Book's ship doing it, which as many times I've described it as his van that is parked in the driveway of Discovery. <laughs> I, I thought it was her quarters, but I, I'm not even sure anymore. Maybe it is her quarters. But here's the thing, like once it opened up and he was in the room and then I'm like, oh, she's scrapbooking. Totally she's doing. She basically said, oh, this is something I saw in like at a market bazaar on my last vacation. I'm doing one for myself. And I was like, this sounds really culturally appropriate. No. And you know, Flobo, you can't get you can't deny them because they, you know, just like us. I mean, you know, they want their Christmas trees too, right? It's two days before Christmas, so there you go. <laughs> that was one of the main things in my notes. And thank you for bringing that up, Joe. It, it, oh, would, yeah. it, it would it be a big deal if it was something they saw like in ten forward or whatever the, the equivalent is. Yeah, this dude like had it and it was a criminal because he stole it and died for it. Mike was ah. like, "I'm making it with you. It'd be great. It'd be gangbusters." <laughs> Here's here's the thing though. I mean, jumping to the end and uh and stress free K, I think has a really good point here. Um jumping to the end of the episode when uh the ship, when Zora is making her own, at that point right. it's returned to it enough that I start going, is this the Christmas episode? <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It it got the tree and all the love. Fam is you know? what you make it, man. Fam is what you make it. And and that's, I think that's a that's a very very astute observation. And you guys are way deep you know, like Especially I mean, especially when you know Zora does her tree and it basically has the entire crew on her tree, not just yes, you know, yeah. blood relations. Not that she would have any, but <laughs> well, and and that's that's really I think one of the best things that comes out of this episode mm -hmm. is um, we get not just her saying it, but also her acting it out and her proving it, that Zora right. does love the crew. She <laughs> says it, she acts on it. It's, I mean, everybody wants to, I don't know about you guys, but I always want to think that my car loves me. I, of course. Yeah. <laughs> my car is named Drake. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, because uh, I drive a Ford Edge and it, it was assembled in Canada and it's not quite black. So I call it Drake. It's like a gray. <laughs> so I call it Drake. That's that's a global fact, y'all. Um, <laughs> well, in my, in, while we're on the topic briefly, my truck is named Mr. Townsell. Oh, oh my God. Plates. Yeah. Yeah, his license Who's plate says Townsell. Yeah. yeah, his license plates have been Townsell since I was 15 years old. So that's why he has his name. Oh, that's wow. Um, well, let's, sorry, uh, well, I just want to say my, my truck's named Nana. 
uh, after Aww. the big dog in Peter Pan. The, oh, there you the, go. See, okay, that works. <laughs> so now cars are starting to understand Zora a little bit more. Now we can agree yeah, with our vehicle right. naming and so forth. You know, I do apologize yeah, to Drake when it's on when it's on E and I haven't put any gas in it. I know you're hungry, boy. <laughs> Times are hard. All right, moving on. My second favorite part about the show, because the first one is Dr. Pollard's back uh, as the actual yeah. mystery this week. Uh, we have ourselves that lightless black, that idea of like this, this I guess these edge coming and destroying things, seeing that yeah. that mm. dot scream for its life was something that oh, I would have read crazy. in a novel. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I like <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> Joe, let me it's, ask you this, man. It sounds like it's <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Go ahead. It's very John Frank's like excellent factor fiction book. Uh, uh, Joe, your thoughts about this? I know we're, we were talking about science and discovery. It's a science vessel, a science mystery. Thoughts about that this week? Well, one thing I did observe um, with that scene and one that came later is that we were given a more tortured, you know, long lasting view of this poor dots um, being eaten alive, basically. Yeah. A few minutes later, we have a real crewman, flesh and blood, getting sucked out into space, and like, okay, boom, that's it. Cortez. You know, TMA, bro. I mean, there were there were a few sad faces after that, but I think there was a yeah. a lot of a lot more grieving over the the dot, which you know, not to take away from the, from that, but um, but Damn. but seriously, I mean, but that was a, I think a, that was a very effective way. Yeah, I think it was a very effective way of saying, hey, this thing is invisible for the, for the most part, but look what it, you know, we can see what it's doing. To this, so it's going to do that to yeah. us if we don't do something quick as far as getting away from it. Yeah. I, it made me think like our enemy here was entropy. You know, the fact uh -huh. that all things are destroyed. All, all things eventually mm -hmm. go. And it's closed Damn. on them. Damn. <laughs> well, you know. Man, yeah. I'm tripping. <laughs> he you're just, you're tripping. He's tripping. Uh, I'm tripping, I man. <laughs> I, I liked it. It was very. It was a scientific-based mystery in that they are in this space. They want to know what the answers mm. are, but they can't pull out and they can't jump because you eventually find out that my cellular network gets all spazzy in that space. Hadn't seen it for yeah. a second there. I want you guys to see if you felt this way or not. I thought it was off the table. I thought that my cellular network would be destroyed this episode and it won't be able to jump ever again. Was that crazy? Oh man, I don't know if it's oh. crazy. It might have been. I, you know, I think we should. Consider. Yeah, I, uh, I think I, I think I this four driving you know, and jumping is just oh, go ahead, it's just too quick of an exit. I'm sorry, it's just it's too quick of an exit in too many you know instances. And now we're kind of at a point like said, okay, you know, we got shields and they can protect against anything, but they don't work half the time. Well, That's when we get work. out of these jams when the thing malfunctions. You know, shields so never work. That, you know, yeah. So I mean, either this thing works all the time or it doesn't. I. That's that's one aspect of the you know the so-called sport driving saying uh being able to jump in and out of things instantly that's kind of not sure what to make of that still I'm still on the fence about that it, it is gimmicky I'll I'll, I'll give yeah. you that it's it's especially gimmicky I do like though the idea that we get away from uh, a very basic past fear of mm. uh, how long to place and what kind of speeds you have to travel. And if you right. go past warp 10, then Tom Paris turns into a lizard and turns <laughs> yeah. Janeway into Ooh. a lizard and they have lizard babies. No one wants that. <laughs> oh, no, no. Those babies are the worst. They never clean them out of themselves. They're so ungrateful. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you know what? It's interesting because this is a commander's log and we like the show, but you can't tell with our guests this week. No, I, I hear you. The sport drive can be gimmicky, but I thought yeah. it was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of cool to see the network kind of 
screwed up, you know. But I'll tell you, if I, can, <laughs> I thought it was cool. If I can, if I can share this with you, I was relieved about one aspect that was real this week. And I'll tell, tell you why. Tell me the fact that we learned that the whoever created the DMA is from outside the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Because I got to tell you, I after last week, I kind of had a theory that I'm glad has now been disproven so quickly. You're not going to like this, but here we go. I love it. I, love I thought. I thought the Federation might be behind the DMA. Because look how quickly um, Navarre fell into place. Okay, yeah, let's let's get back in there so we can get that protection. I thought, are they actually manufacturing this thing to coerce people to rejoin the Federation? Look, man, the DMA's an inside job, man. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought. That's what I was saying. Man, is, is that what's happening? Hey, but now we that... know better. Now we know yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. Has I mean, seriously, Flobo, has that not happened in the past? Has, we not, has the enemy not been inside man. the house all the time? I mean, that happens a lot in, oh in the sort of modern Section 21, Section 31 influence yeah. Star Trek. And all these psycho admirals that pop up, you know, that I'm just glad I was proven wrong on this one. Because I said, <laughs> that would have been taking it really far to, you know, destroying Wake all up. the just to, yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, uh, okay, well, we, we find that out uh, through Book's mm. hallucinations. Uh, and they got right. to hallucinations by trying to jump uh, when they said they wouldn't recommend it. And uh, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But what happened with Book jumped was that he started hallucinating. Started seeing, started seeing dead. Started seeing Pops. And Pops mm. wasn't happy. And I, too, have been a rumored disappointed dad. It's not pleasant. John, walk me through this. What was the deal with having hallucinations? Were you a fan on board and see more about what make uh, T-Rex a better person? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's super interesting because one of the things that I always criticize Star Trek Next Generation that uh, it always seems to me that the writers and the producers a lot of therapy trying to break down I think we're losing you. <laughs> I, I think we lost John, John for a second. Uh, let me ask you then, Joe. I mean, thoughts thoughts about books, Pops? Well, I mean, it's probably not the same point John was going to make. We'll sure we'll get that here in a moment. But mm -hmm. um, the thing in Harkin, I mean, again, this episode harkened back to so many great things that made it itself great, in my opinion. And one of which was, um, God, going all the way back to fifth episode, TNG. Uh, episode called where no one has gone before same mm -hmm. thing happened to john luke saw his dad right there in the, in the uh, hallway when they went to the strange region of space so um there is a precedent for it and i think that dramatically it, it it's really effective and sure it certainly defined it certainly defined the character of book even more this time totally agree 100% agree uh i normally my reaction to this would be pretty bad uh but book really needs a lot right now he needs yeah. to uh he, he needs to get over uh his daily pains just so he can function he needs to feel mm -hmm. like he's headed towards a, a solution which he still isn't yet and that's really tearing him apart and uh these hallucinations with his father get him there right uh, i for one like it only because it was half an episode uh, because I can't sit here and be like, the whole Adira Gray thing is weird and, and complain about that yeah. if this is going to be a long-term thing. So I'm glad it was that, and it was meta. Booker's, the book is like, look, I'm, this is definitely a hallucination. You're going away. 
Peace out. Happy birthday. Have a nice day. Um, what I did like about it uh, was the decision to be Cleveland Booker, right? I think that was something that was mm-hmm. kind of passed over and glossed upon. But when Dad comes right. out and he actually says, um, I actually had the line here. Oh, yes. Terex has been a long time. And you're out there commun- communing with mushrooms, wasting your gifts. I was like, damn, maybe his dad thinks mm-hmm. it's gimmicky too. You know what I mean? So I've I've been there as as the, the son in that situation and also the dad in a situation. Not saying I have kids, but kind of similar thing. So I love the fact that it was a quick a quick hit, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking forward to the – I'm just looking forward to the inevitable meeting between um, Michael Burnham and, and dad because, you know, that's going to be a pretty, you know, Pretty hostile you know, meeting, I think. Says, ah, oh, so you're doing this just because she told you to? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it also leads us to um, something that I thought was terrific, mm. and I have been really happy about uh, Discovery in this sense, mm. which is the solution to this particular uh, science problem was communications based. Yeah. I got it in my nose, my man Bryce. You got it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just this whole idea that communications is such an important part of Star Trek. It's true. It really is. And we see it more and more in this series. I love how that plays out. Before I get into how awesome Bryce Great is, point. I just want to say, Mike, Mike, about the dad real quick. Uh, having having warning, Burnham will pick Starfleet or view it every time. And I was like, ooh, Inception, see the doubt, ooh. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but moving on, you're absolutely right. So my man Bryce, my man is so learned, so knowledgeable, so clutch. It was like, remember that thing from a... 1500 years ago, you know, sonar, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that man's hot in the streets. He knows all how to communicate. I yeah. love it. I love it. Because communications just has never been given its due until discovery. Really digging that. And we've got two great communications officers, but we're back with Bryce, who, you know, OG. That's that's well, I mean, favorite. the whole the whole bridge crew was was highlighted, you know, to great extent right. in this episode, which which hasn't been you know the case recently. That's yeah. and and that was another thing uh in my notes that really like is this going to happen every week every week someone's going to step up and say to the captain look captain i have concerns and i last week it was mm-hmm. reese this week it was owo right and and maybe that's a good thing cuz we're really getting to know people a little bit better emotionally i so in wrestling right which <laughs> is everything goes back to wrestling right there is something called the, the hot shot and I felt Awoshikun was was hot shot book it. Like Reese, yes, too, but that was an away mission. Hey, this away mission reminds me of something, but to have her go up as strong as he was last season and he gets shut down by Saru, who's who's being repackaged himself to have yeah. her go, I'm sorry for being smacked down. I was like, what was the point? I, I was looking for something else to be there. Uh, let's get into that. Joe Townsville, you're the man that loves character development, stuff like that. Awushikin <laughs> going after Saru, saying, Captain or, or Commander, I want to do this. I insist in getting shut down. Good for the character or no? I think it was very good for the character. I think that it was, uh, uh, again, the whole bridge crew um, got, got their due this week, but especially her and um, communications officer. But yeah, as far as that exchange, absolutely. Because, hey, you know, one of the things that Star Trek always has always been about as well is not just blindly following orders, but at least speaking your mind. Yeah. And yeah, she got shot down and probably uh, for, the, for the good of, of all. But the uh, follow-up exchange between the two characters with Saru and her, yeah, I said, basically my, my um, understanding of that was like, you know, you keep suggesting stuff, you keep thinking and keep coming forward. 
Oh yeah. And that's what, that's what makes that's, that's what teamwork's all about. So yeah, I think that was a, a very good exchange. I think that was a very important part of the episode. Whatever. I, I guess John, John and I just wants like uh, Tara Noel back. That's what we want. We want her to start killing him again. <laughs> I mean, you know, we really have seen because of Terra Nova, we've seen that these actors put in extra work. They put in extra motivation, extra like um, focus and charge. And um, you don't have to do that on a yeah. Star Trek. You can just look good. There's plenty of people that you could point to on previous episodes. I never really knew this person's name. That person yeah. never really stood out to me because they don't have emotional, personal moments. So mm -hmm. I like it. I like it because I love my bridge crew. Yeah. This is a good crew. I really do love them. Do you have a favorite? Well, Either well, one. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, th I'm, th I'm thinking her hard. I mean, <laughs> that's a good question i'm gonna embarrass myself because i don't i don't know i don't i can't recall the names of a lot of them because they have been so undermined and under oh yeah but, uh there's uh um, detmer nielsen reese bryce awoshikin uh those are the main five nielsen. and that new one uh nielsen are yeah nielsen's the first one i mentioned i forgot the the oh, new guy's you. name though the young young boy <laughs> I've got yeah yeah um he's the one who fills in for bryce he's christopher i think Yes, yeah. that sounds right. I think it was an aggressive. I mean, to answer your question, I mean, I think just because of what we've seen them do up to this point in the series, and especially the, uh, this week, both of them, I I think I have to go with our uh, friendly neighborhood um, helmsmen and um, you know uh, ops operators, you know, up front. I mean, yeah. you know they they bring they bring a lot to the scenario, and especially this week, intergalactic neighborhoods. I love it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh so we we have this new information right we we've survived mm -hmm. this mission there's a bunch of day we're getting closer to understanding that things are happening at galaxy's edge i mean the galactic barrier uh mm -hmm. let me put you against the wall there joe your last theory was disproven what do you got for us this time what do you think is behind the dma well i have one thought which you know is really out there but i can think of only one time in all of Star Trek, where we encountered um, a race of people that were hell-bent on conquering us from beyond the Galactic Grim, and that was back in the original series. And darn it, I should have gone to and written it down, but I'm referring to an episode where they basically reduced all the, the entire crew like, to little white, you know, white shapes, and, and we're going to take them on a multi-generational trip back to their home world. Maybe it came from there. Do you know which episode I'm referring to? Probably. John, Captain? Captain, my captain, you're the expert here. Is that the one where they, uh, the one where they turn them into cubes? Exactly. Yeah. The little, original, little, uh, yeah. They, they they only left like Kirk, Spock, Scotty, and McCoy. You know, they said that we need we need you for this trip, but the rest of them we're just going to reduce down to little bot, you know, little cubes. And you know, they they killed one of them by crushing it. Just say, well, we mean business. You know, maybe it's those guys. I hear you. Trust me, K says they are the Kelvins, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. See, Sorry, these are that's why I have smarter people on my show. I have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> this is a deep cut. I mean, uh th this is the this is the episode called By Any Other Name. Extra you, yes. Galactic Aliens, just as you said, Joe. Attract right. the Enterprise and turn the crew into inert solids 
leaving the four senior officers on their own to exploit their captors' weaknesses. Uh, and see, in my, in my defense of not knowing some of these some of these names and terms, believe it or not, I just now came up with this theory as you asked. So that's why. This I is why you're professional. You. This is why you're professional. Well, thank yeah. you, thank you. It would make sense, you know, if it's them or, but it's probably some, something else, but that's, I'm going to go with that for now. I got one more it's question for you then, Mr. Townsville, or mm -hmm. Joe, because okay. Mr. Townsville, you're on your truck. Yes. I know that's now, it's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> so, so my captain and I have argued, and we argue the most like cordial way. We like have pleasant discussions. Mm -hmm. We're not actually fighting, <laughs> but we've argued <laughs> that, that, that Adira, uh, Ensign, Ensign Adira has become Tilly in her absence. Uh, thoughts about that? And thoughts about her role in the ship moving forward. Well, I think it's a little soon to make that call. I mean, she's only been Tilly's only been gone for one episode, right? Two by this point. Two, okay, yeah. I mean, counting this one, you're right. Two, um, it hurts because I love her. <laughs> She'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna get bored of the academy and come back. Don't you? Don't you worry, Captain. But um, no, I. You know, I guess possibly there's there. You know, there, there's a. a dramatic narrative to be filled by that void but again you know hopefully they just put a, a different spin on this unique character and not just make it a clone um and tilly you know of course brought a you know very special bent to this type of character that we don't want to see duplicated necessarily that'd be a little bit much a little bit too yeah. on point i think yeah yeah but um okay. but we'll see if like mean, she fills that that function to some extent as far as being that sounding board what have you i mean i i really did like her final her her final episode so far um right. because when she when she captained when she commanded that was something we hadn't seen from her before in terms of seriousness mm -hmm. and let's get on this and listen to me i am not messing around here and uh and yet she's still tilly so i hope that we do get to see her at uh the federation like breaking up how they do things a little bit with her you know her her well, style from the past and her and don't forget mirror universe tilly you know because i'm i'm my theory is that yeah. the mirror universe counterpart exists in us prime universe people you know deep inside and oh yeah what, what mirror tilly could do so i'm sure that exists in our tilly as well no so. i i i know you're right about that because the mirror yeah. universe spock was very much like spock you know deep Absolutely. down yeah in terms of intelligence and and where he was so yeah you know i'm i'm kind of hoping that we uh we, we do get to see a little more of that and unfortunately um because of that uh marijuana use you were making fun of me uh earlier for flobo <laughs> i forgot what we were talking about <laughs> Uh, Joe asked two questions back to back. So I want to bring them all to you, Captain John. Any predictions moving forward with DMA is? Will Tilly be involved in that future as we go on? I love the idea that, I mean, not the idea, the fact now that it is extra galactic, that it, by being from another galaxy, we are way out of our comfort zone now mm -hmm. and deep into what. Uh, Star Trek does best, which is explores the unknown and and meets the unknown. Uh, it, it is. I don't know if it's an attack. I would feel very disappointed to find out when they meet them and they go, "Well, you've been destroying parts of our galaxy," and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't know." <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not. Oops. It. <laughs> yeah, like, oops. like we are the DMA. I hope that's not it because, damn, I want that DMA to be mad. I want there to be 
I want there to be a conflict here. And if it is the Kelvins, that would be awesome. What an incredible callback to a very real threat. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd love that. Um, I do I do think it's probably going to be a big bad. And I, I feel like we're going to meet them at the end of this, you know, 10 episodes. And then it's going to be a war against them. That's where I would go. I would go Ronald Moore on this. And I would say, let's let's have a new dominion. Let's have a new unbeatable be. foe. It has that to be, be exciting. Uh, because last season, to your point, was was basically a giant oops from a kid and a yeah. equivalent of a, of a two-bit organizational crime ring. Like it was big and it meant planets, but it wasn't like, oh, it was like, is that Marco Kidder's niece? Like, <laughs> huh. <laughs> I mean that yes, to your point, that emerald chain fell pretty fast and hard. Yeah, I was like Done and done. Yeah. So it needs to be something massive. It needs to be a Mogo. It needs to be a Sauron out there. It has to be a, something like that. A Borg. You know what's going to happen, guys? In the next episode or two, we're going to see the Ilea probe reappear. It's going to be V'ger again. That's what's going to happen. Whoa. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> I would not hate that. Hey, V'ger I mean, turned into something, you know. True. Exactly. And, and you know, with thousands of years, well, almost a thousand years. Uh, no, no. Mm. It'd be about a thousand years since uh, the motion picture in uh, Star Trek yeah, time, wouldn't it be? Much, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there could be another thing there, but honestly that I wouldn't love that on the, on the basis of V'ger. V'ger was another oopsie like, oops, I yeah. didn't know. I was so powerful. I was just searching for whoever made me. Would you humans please get out of the way? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, humans made you, bro. <laughs> so I, you know, this sort of misunderstanding thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, we can take so much of that. But yeah, the burn was that. Just as right. you say, Flobo. I don't want to right. see that. It'd be, it'd be very, it'd be very repetitive. I agree. I mean, it, it needs to be something that goes off to the field. I, I would like to see a personification at some point pretty soon. I, I think we're the halfway that. point, you know, so I'm sure the next, the next episode or two and uh, briefly, I don't know if, if you guys caught this. I just happened to see it on one of my Star Trek fan sites I visit and the IMDb doesn't even reflect this, but I guess, but they're going to have a mid season break of discovery. Mm. We'll have next week. Then it's going to break until February. So that could have something to do with oh. the dramatic narrative as well. That's, that's how season one, I think went season one did a two half. Type yeah. It's unfortunate, but Hey, it's all good. <laughs> but it can yeah, also is just like a mid season cliffhanger is my point. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, see, I agree. We may get I a big agree. reveal next week. They, they could result. be shoving us towards that. I, I totally think yeah. that that's, that's possible. And it is a good way of doing shows because in the TV universe, uh, TV viewership lowers around the holidays and in January, people just don't really right. watch that much TV. And then when February comes along, that's usually when viewership picks up of TV. Just happens. Well, it's yeah, true. It's a sweeps month, you know. Right. I, was, we remember that. Sweep for Paramount Plus. I mean, look, I don't know if people have that, but uh, I got one more question for you guys before we get yeah. out of here. Uh, we finally got the uh, I Love You, man. The I Love You yes. uh, book. Yes. Michael Big Burnham. Moment. I'm sure they said it many times oh, yeah. in private, but no, with grudges all on board. Uh, always a death knell of any relationship selling someone you love them. That's why you never do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Captain, thoughts about this? I think, I think Book is in trouble. I think mm -hmm. Book is in some serious trouble. I think Book is going to do something crazy. Uh, not stupid. Mm. He's not stupid. But if 
he says to his father's hallucination, he says, if I can find them, I will kill them. Uh, And this is after his father says, you know, blood for blood. Mm. That's how we do it. That's the code. Although that's not books code. That's his father's code. But we know what we know what's being said here. And book, we know that book wants to wants to kill whoever destroyed his people and his planet. We know that. I don't think yeah, any of know. us judge him for that even. Hell yeah, we know, yeah. Well, so I can't I even hold it against him. No, I agree with you. I but I do think uh, adding on to that that ultimately, get ready to say ah. Ultimately, <clears throat> love will persevere. Oh, oh. <laughs> you big softy. <laughs> I didn't even ultimately. have to reach for that. It burst out of it. <laughs> love can't prevail in space. I, I have to. I, think, I, I just want to make sure I this gets mentioned. Right. I, it's a little bit off off topic. I, I apologize, but we have to acknowledge everybody going into the pattern buffer. Yeah, very, very, very subtle call to what you know the inventor of such a, a maneuver. Good for you, Scotty, for inventing going to the pattern buffer for long periods of time. I just oh, got to say that. Can, can that I say incredible. screw you, Star Trek, for making me give homework? I'm a new fan. I was like, ah. what the hell is a pattern buffer? <laughs> is, it a, is it a lock safe? Is it a shuttlecraft? Is it ultimate dimension? Hell, help me out. Scotty put himself in a transporter pattern buffer for 80 years. That's right. Because he was going right. to die otherwise. That's how he ended up in the next generation timeline. So that's all this was, which is putting the whole crew in, in one for, you know, how many minutes? I know. Flobo, did that, you ever that was see... the historical perspective they were referring to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flobo, did you ever see the um, the uh, Deep Space Nine episode, Our Man Bashir? Mm, Sounds yeah. like a familiar one. It's another, um, it's another tele, uh, transporter um, uh, buffer. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and it's right, great. Right. It's great. Um, because the the buffer on on their transporter can't handle everybody, so it pushes them into the hollow suites, right? And makes them photonic, which is just I love I love that um, because they refer to it much later with uh, the Doctor on Voyager is a photonic uh, life form, and he meets other photonic right. life forms, and I, I just love that. But what an interesting way of keeping everybody safe, and I guess you know. All those years in the future, the buffer can handle it and hold on to them. That was great. I loved that. Oh, it definitely I worked, for, except that you said for not putting Captain, you know, Burnham in it. But oh well, what are you going to do? She had to suffer. <laughs> she had to suffer. Yeah. Go down with the Go ship. Down with the ship. <laughs> and how about the ship afterwards? Man, they love destroying your spaceship in, in mm-hmm. Star Trek. There's not a spaceship they won't destroy. Um, and as they're putting it together and they're going, well, this programmable material sure makes things easy. It's like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. There's a, there's a line to explain everything. Cause Admiral Van's like, what the, Oh, programmable matter. I get it. Um. Right. Oh, yeah. Five, <laughs> five, five minutes and dry dock. You're good as new. No problem. <laughs> well, it's, it's Christmas time and I have a plate of cookies to get to. So we're going to have to wrap this one up Ooh, here. Yeah. Uh, Joe, always a pleasure being on the show, Commander's Log. This one-stop shop oh. for unofficial Star Trek Discovery content. And well, if I want to connect with you besides reading JoeTowns.com on your little bar- corner there, how can anyone get in touch with you, contact you, high-five you, send you cookies of our own? Hey, well, especially for cookies. Well, the website's always the best place to start. I mean, I, I publicize basically all three of our Twitter accounts on, on my site. 
I'm on, I'm on Amazon, among other book sites. Uh, the new book is coming out early 2022, uh, kind of non-fictionalizing to some extent my recent um, health experiences. So I hope that people will enjoy that. It's called Hell and Wellness. And you'll see the title fits very, very astutely with my recent life experience. So yeah, look for me um, on my website, on Amazon, on Twitter, all that good stuff. Helen Wellness sounds like a Dr. Biker gang. So I, I would love to. Hey, I like that. Honestly, uh, I, this, this has got, oh, let's get this to Hollywood. Let's make them make a series out of it. I want to see it on, uh, well, probably not Paramount Plus, but I want to see it. I want to watch this. Oh, you're too kind, John. Thank you, Kevin. And let's get those big paychecks going over to Joe Townsell, by the way, Hollywood. Come on. Big paychecks. That'd be great. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, what about you, Captain? Uh, coming up this Sunday, uh, that'll be uh, 2 p.m. on the East Coast and 11 a.m. on the West Coast. Flobo Boys will be my guest, as he's always my co-host anyway. He's easy to get. Um, and we will be watching The Naked Now, Star Trek Next oh my God. Generation's uh, famous episode. Among other things, Data gets down and funky with Tasha Yar. You're going to want to be there. functional, baby. Is that one of Dana's jokes? I hope so. Leave Tasha alone. I'm not saying nothing. Flobo, I'll let you figure it out. How's that? Oh, no. Oh, you're going to love it. of a big game for Armis. That's it. Commander's Law, we'll be back next week, and I think there's going to be a break as you'll see on the horizon after that, but until then, it'll be more Star Trek, more fun, and if it's not a character you love as much as I love a man, Bryce, you let me know, probably give him a spotlight. Until next time, we got to do the hell hand thing. Live long, and Joe, and prosper! And hey. prosper! It's coming to get that...